This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're so glad you're here. This is the best place to be in all of Southern California. I say it all the time. I'm going to say it again because we have we have some people in here that have actually been in prison before, not as ministers. But as people that were in prison, how many here would agree this is better than the nicest prison in Southern California? Amen. Amen. Or how, how many here have ever been in the hospital before? How many would agree this is better than the nicest hospital in Southern California? Or rehab center. Anybody ever been through rehab? Amen. You know, you, you, you have more to rejoice about than what you even think about. Praise God today that you're not laid up somewhere and you can't get out. That you're not stuck somewhere, but you don't have transportation to go anywhere. That you're here. In the presence of, of, of people that love Jesus, that encourage one another, help one another. Didn't come here to hear uh, sad stories, but to hear people used to have sad stories. Now they've got good news stories. They've been delivered. Jesus set them free. Uh, Mrs. Pastor was telling me about the women's meeting Friday night. Said they, they shared about their most memorable Christmas. And said the testimony she heard of what God's done in so many lives in this church. And I said, that's the same thing that happened at the men's meeting the Saturday before at our men's meeting. We had the same testimonies. Men tell them what all God's done in their lives. Isn't that a whole lot better than sitting around here the sad stories, the depressed stories, and just thinking, no hope, no, don't know what we're going to do. You know, we just had nothing but bad luck. I tell you, there's no such thing as bad luck. The Bible says in this earth today, there's curses. And there's blessings. At Deuteronomy chapter 30, he said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. He said, choose life. And so in our, in our lives, we're going to see a lot of good things in the Bible today about what we're talking about. But the whole fact of the matter is, there's a devil out there and he's against you. Jesus is out there. He's for you. And so we choose whether we're going to serve Jesus. Or whether we're going to stay serving the devil. But we've served Jesus. Satan still tries to attack us. But the difference between people that serve God and those that don't serve God, we got the answers. Amen. Things still try to come our ways, whether, whether we're Christians or we're not Christians. But we got the answer. And if you don't know anything else, just say, Jesus, help me. And Jesus is always there. Amen. Amen. So I praise God that my Savior was born. Amen. But I, I give even greater praise that my Savior grew up and he knows what I'm going through because he lived on this earth for 33 years. He learned how to get victory and he tells me in the Bible how to get victory. And if I don't know anything else about the Bible, if I know the name of Jesus, I can get victory just in his name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Does anybody need a sermon outline? If you didn't get a sermon outline, hold up your hand. And we have sermon outlines coming your way as we speak. Welcome again to High Desert Word Center. And I'm thinking about, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't forget it sometimes, but if you're worshiping God about in 1979. How many remember 1979? <laughs> well, some do, some don't. Okay. Well, in, in 1979, I, I was in a place in life that I was tired of living stupid life. And what I mean, I mean, I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't a church person. And, uh, I wasn't really a bad guy, just a sinner. I mean, you know, I, 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 I drank, I smoked a little dope, and I did a little fornicate, just things sinners do. You know, I just did wrong things. Sinners do those things because it's in the nature 
of unsaved people to do those things. And so I just got tired of life. So I just, I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I quit doing other things and just thought, man, there's got to be more to life than this. This is just such an empty life. And so I started going to church in December of 1979. You know, just like some of you are. I started going to church. And my purpose of going to church was I wanted to find God. You know, I, 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 I knew that I needed, I needed something different. So I went to church. Long story short, uh, in January of 1980, I gave my life to Jesus. And, it, and my whole life turned around. It, it stayed changed ever since January of 1980. But the thing was, I'm thinking about some of you. Here you are in church today. And you're thinking, I want something different. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go try church. I'm going to see if I can... Get something different in my life. Well, today, we're going to give you answers from the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. The Bible's God's letter. The Bible's written by men that God spoke to their hearts. And when God spoke to their hearts, they wrote them in words, and then they put them in what we call the Bible. So when we read the Bible, we're even reading what God has to say to mankind. Amen? And that's where your answers come from. You know... Uh, I know that some of you probably don't know a lot about church or about preachers, but how many here know about politicians? Amen. The Lord told me years ago that the difference between a preacher and a politician is politicians talk a lot and preachers talk a lot. Politicians uh, lie a lot and preachers tell the truth through the Bible. Politicians... Don't have any anointing, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute. They don't have any anointing to help people. Well, preachers have anointing to help people. So they talk and we talk. But when we talk, the presence of Jesus is with us. And the presence of Jesus is the anointing of God. And when you talk about Jesus from the Bible, and you're a person that knows Jesus, lives for Jesus, when you talk, that Jesus speaks to people's hearts. And he doesn't give false hope. He doesn't lie to try to trick you to get your vote or try to get something from you. Jesus tells you the truth to take things off of you that are hurting you. To give you answers to things that's puzzled you and try to cause you to want to take your own life even. Or to hurt somebody else. Or to make you think you that that would be better just to have never been born and things like that. And so anyway, that's the difference between a preacher and a politician because we teach the Word of God, as long as we stay with the Word of God. Now, some preachers don't stay at the Word of God, so you might as well call them politicians because they're trying to do is get something away from people. But when a preacher sticks with the Word of God, Jesus speaks to the hearts of the people he's talking to. And when they leave the service, they leave changed with hope. They leave changed with a little bit of joy in their life. And they keep coming back to the church, whether it's this church or another church that preaches Jesus, they keep coming back They get more hope. They get more hope. And the next thing you know, their hope gets rid of the dope. Amen. Uh, you got dope, you have no hope. Amen. You get hope, you get rid of the dope. That's the way it works. And so the thing is, like Mrs. Pastor read that little, you know those things she got out there, preached for 25 or 30 years, things she'd been writing down over the years there. I like that one thing that she said that God said to me years ago, that if you've been delivered from things that were hurting you and you want to stay delivered, you got to keep doing what you did to get delivered. You got to stick with it. You got to keep doing what you did when you started getting help. Amen. You can't walk back. Give the Lord a hand. He wants to help us all. And so anyway, 
the, the title of our message today is, Why Did Jesus Come to Earth? And you know, there's so many things that people come up with. But like I said, I want to use the Bible, talk about the Bible. So when the Lord gave me that title the other day, I wrote down three questions that I wanted to answer from the Bible today. And here's what the three questions are. Number one, who is Jesus? We're going to look at that in the Bible. And why did he come to earth? And then the third thing, how could you receive help from Jesus when you need it? And, you know, in most people's lives, that's probably the most important question. So many people get to the end of the rope. So many people are up against the wall don't know what to do. And all the time, preachers and Christians say, Things like, God loves you. God answers prayer. Things like that. Well, if you don't know how to get him to answer your prayers, then that doesn't really mean a whole lot to you. We've got to know how to get Jesus to show up when we need him. Amen? And so number one question, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. About who is Jesus. And I'm going to read verse 18 to 25, and then just kind of wrap it up and talk about those few verses. But when you, at Christmas time... There's a lot of teaching from Matthew chapter 1 to Luke chapter 1 because it tells about uh, Jesus' birth and when he came to earth. But Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, that means she was engaged to him. She was engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, that means before they had sex, in case you feel know, King James talk. And so when, when people get married... They do things. And so, so before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Means they had not yet been buried. They were engaged. And then she was pregnant. And so then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, and think about this, he's engaged with this lady. This is not the 21st century where sex is so loose and Everybody does things, etc. They're in a religious society over there in Jerusalem. They're, they're God's people, the Jewish people. And here he is engaged to this young girl, and all of a sudden she shows up pregnant. And so he's trying to figure out, what do I do? Because girls don't get pregnant unless they've been with somebody. I'm the one she's engaged to, and she's pregnant. And so this is, this is why he's thinking about this. And then it says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And so God did, had his angel come and talk to Joseph in a dream, say, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take into, take into thee, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And so he said that Mary got pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And ladies, don't use that today. That was a one-time thing. Amen. <laughs> and and she, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. So God's the one that gave Jesus his name. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so the name of Jesus means Savior. And what was the, what was the meaning of that name? To save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, and this is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, one of our verses for the month in our Bible study. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Emmanuel 
means God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took of him his wife, and knew her not, they didn't have sex, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And so they never even came together as husband and wife after Jesus was born. That is a miracle, isn't it? Amen. That, that's a miracle that God was able to do that. So who is Jesus? Jesus is not only the Son of God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God that came to earth and lived in a physical body. God with us. He came to earth, lived in a physical body. And I want to give you a couple more verses to write down. That'll help you see it's the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 9. We're not going to turn there. But John 14, verse 9. How many remember when Thomas asked Jesus, said, said, who are you? And he said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, write this verse down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, when it talks about the new birth being born again, it says, it was God in Christ that came to this earth. It was God that was in Christ that came to this earth. And so Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus was God that came to earth in that physical body. And, you know, just, just something to throw out there at you that uh, people that have received Jesus into their heart, under what we call born-again Christians, understand this with their hearts. You don't figure it out with your head. But in John chapter 3, we're probably not going to look at that today, but in John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to a man named Nicodemus. And he's talking to him about spiritual things, like the new birth. And he told him, you can't understand these things with your head. You must be born again to understand these. And the reason being, these things are written by the Holy Spirit through men. They wrote these words down. So these words are spiritual. And when you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And so when things come into you from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit, you don't try to figure them out. You just say, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. If God says that was Him and Jesus, and that was God in Jesus, that's who it was. And there's so many things in the Bible you'll never figure out. You know, you stop to figure out, well, this, what, this, this miracle right here, you figure it out. How does a young woman that's never known a man get pregnant? Never in a hundred, hundred million years could that ever happen again. God made that happen. And then you read the book of Luke. The book of Luke says that the Holy Ghost came over her and the Holy Ghost impregnated her with the Word of God. The Word of God got into Mary's womb and fertilized that egg. And then she began to have a baby develop inside of her. But it was she was pregnant by the Word of God. That'll never happen again. And you know, if you're not a person that's born again, your head just thinks, huh. And you think about Jesus then, when he even died. You know, at Easter time, we're talking about the end of his life, when he died on the cross. Everybody saw him dead. They pierced his side, crucified, and all the things that happened. And he was buried for three days. And then he comes up from the grave, alive again. Your head could never figure that out. But you know these things by the Spirit in your heart. When you read them in the Bible, you know, well, that's so. That's what really happened, because the Bible says so. And so the Bible says... That Jesus wasn't just God's son. Jesus was God. Come to earth through his son. Amen. Amen. So that, that's who Jesus was. Jesus was the son of God. And he was God. 
And then another question is this. Why did Jesus come to earth? And look at verse 21. Verse 21 says that uh, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so Jesus came to earth to save us from sin. Sin produces bondage. And I'll explain that to you. And also sin is in the fallen nature of man because Adam disobeyed God and yielded to Satan in the Garden of Eden. How many are familiar with Adam and Eve in the Garden? God made everything perfect. God walked with Adam. Adam had a hookup with God. He was connected with God. Him and, him and God could talk face to face in the Garden of Eden. They fellowshiped together. But then God told Adam to eat of the knowledge, uh, to eat of the tree of life, but not to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. And so Adam disobeyed God. And what he did, he lost his connection. And what he did, sin came into the earth because sin and Satan are synonymous. Sin is the offspring of Satan. And sin produces bondage. You, you look at people today in Romans chapter 7, Paul talked about it. Paul said, why is it that my nature is always wanting to do what I don't want to do? And the things I do want to do, why can't I do them? Well, he was talking about his fleshly nature, talking about his life, his his earth suit that he lives in. But Jesus came to redeem us from that bondage. People that are addicts. I mean, has anybody here ever known an addict? And you know, most of the people I've ever got to talk to that are addicts or alcoholics are on the inside crying out, help me out of this, help me out of this. I don't like this life. I don't want to live here. But they can't get out. They're, they're bondage. They're captive. They're slaves. Bondage means slavery. Some people are slaves to lion. They've got a lion spirit. They lie every time they turn around. Some people are thieves. They can't do anything unless they steal something. They might have a pocket full of money, but they'd rather steal than pay for it because they're in bondage to sin. Sin has a hold on them. So many things in life, but that's, that's what Jesus came. Jesus came to break the power of sin off our life. He came to save us from our sins. He was God. And God came down here to save us from our sins. Now I want you to look at John chapter 10, verse 10. And you're going to have answers for yourself and answers for people you want to help today from the Word of God. John chapter 10, in verse 10. Now, Jesus made this, made this statement here. He said, the thief, and that's talking about the devil, about Satan, cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The Amplified Bible, I like to read this last part of the verse because it really helps me. Jesus said, I am come that they may have and enjoy life. That have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And so in this statement right here, if Christians would just not be ignorant like the world's ignorant of spiritual things, it would help them immensely. It would help Christians to help other people in life that have questions if they just listen to the Bible. Christians have got to realize, when I say Christians, I'm talking to you. Christians have got to realize 
that in the spiritual world that you can't see through your natural eyes, there's not just God and Jesus and the angels and the Holy Spirit. There's devils. There's demons. And Jesus said, behind every tragedy and calamity in your life, there's a thief. He said, the thief come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus said right here, and remember who Jesus is? Jesus is God. It's God in Jesus. He said, Jesus said, I'm not the thief. He said, I come for you to enjoy life. He said, I came for you to have a good life. And so let me, let me ask you a couple questions here to help you. This will help your prayer life. Because so many times people that are ignorant and don't know the Bible and they don't really know Jesus, every bad thing that happens, they make a goofy religious saying out of it. Well, you can't never tell what God might do. Well, I can tell you what he might do. Because John 10, 10, Jesus said, I come for you to have and enjoy life. If you lose your family, I call that thief. If you lose your family through death, if you lose your family through divorce, if you lose your family through some other tragedy of life, that's called stealing. And Jesus said, I have nothing to do with it. I come for you to have and enjoy life. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you lose your job. And you can't get another job. And you lose your insurance. You lose your good pay. You lose all the good benefits you had, benefits you had in your job. You can't say, well, God must not want me to have that. Jesus said, I came for you to have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full. He said, the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have to get a revelation as Christians quit saying things like, well... God did that to teach him something. Well, the Bible says that God sent the Holy Spirit, his word, and Bible teaches to teach us something. He didn't say, I'm going to send divorce, car wrecks, six is a disease to teach you something. The Bible says he put teachers in his church and gave them the word of God and said that Pastors and teachers would feed his people with knowledge and understanding to teach them something. And so we as Christians, let's get a hold of this. It's not a very good witness. Somebody just loses their family through some tragedy and you tell them, well, you know, God knows best. You're right. God knows best. He sent Jesus. And Jesus said, I come from to have and enjoy life. And then when you read... Through the Gospels and lots of the Old Testament, it tells you that people many times go through bad things because they rebel against God. Not all the time. Sometimes people are just ignorant. They don't know. And so that's why God wants people, once they get some knowledge of Him, to begin to sit under good Bible teaching and learn some things so they're not ignorant anymore. Then they know what to do. Satan will take advantage of ignorance. If you don't know, he'll come in and he'll steal from you. He'll kill. He'll destroy. But God said through Paul in the book of Romans that even if you don't know about Jesus yet, he said nature will preach to you. He said, if you'll just cry out, if you'll just cry out, oh God, help me, no matter where you are in life, 
that God will reach out and he'll help you. And he will somehow, some way, get you to a knowledge of his son so you can be born again. And then God will be able to get you to the place where he can start teaching you in life so you won't be ignorant about things. And so when bad things happen, let me tell you, if a person gets a diagnosis of cancer, for example, they get a really bad diagnosis and they don't know what John 10.10 says. Jesus said, I come for you to enjoy life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, if they don't know that God's not the one that heals, he doesn't give cancer, then they'll pray something like this. Oh, God, if it be thy will, if it be thy will. Well, that's an ignorant prayer. He said, I come for him to have and enjoy life. Has anybody ever known anybody full of cancer that enjoyed it? Would you call cancer a thief? Would you say it's stealing? Killing? Destroying? Well, so see, that would be a ignorant prayer then to say, Oh God, if it be thy will. And somebody says, Well, how would I pray then? Keep on coming back to a church like this. I'm not saying just this church, a lot of good churches. Come to a church that teaches the Bible. And you're going to find out that God made provision to get healed of cancer. One, one place, John, uh, James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, God said, if there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. And somebody said, well, the church I went to don't believe in elders. Well, you're at the wrong church then. The Bible says have them. <laughs> it says call for the elders of church if you're sick. It said let them pray over you, anointing you with all the name of the Lord. And he said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise you up if you're prayed for with the prayer of faith. Adore with all the name of the Lord. The Lord will raise you up and heal you. And so see, you have to know, first of all, that God is not the one that gives cancer. Jesus said, I want you to have a joy life. And so God wants you blessed. The devil's the bad guy. So for Christians, our eyes have got to be open to see that the spiritual arena, everything that happens doesn't come from God. Satan come in through the Garden of Eden and he brought sin, sickness, disease, premature death into the world. He brought it all in. And so Jesus came, he said, for us to have and enjoy life. Jesus came to break the power of sin over Christians. Amen. We didn't know that. We're answering questions today. That you have in your hearts that you want answered. And so Satan and sin and failure to discipline your flesh will hold you back from what Jesus wants you to enjoy. Satan and sin and failure to discipline your life, to discipline your flesh will hold you back. And so I want to say this, that without Christ, no human being can win over sin or the fallen nature of man. But through Christ... We can do all things through him that strengthens us. Amen. And so I want, to sh- I want to show you why. Look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And I'm thinking again about that verse the Lord had me share at the start of this. That Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I've got the keys of hell and of death. We've got victory in the name of Jesus. We've got victory in the word of God. We've got victory by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, you know, as I'm looking at these things here, I'm thinking that sometimes, you know, some people might think, well, man, that's all negative. That's that 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 stuff just not even not, man. That just makes me feel bad. Talking about cancer and 
and losing families and all that kind of stuff there. Let me tell you something. That's life that everybody faces every day. If you're like an ostrich, stick your head in the sand to try to hide from things, they're going to be there anyway. And so the Bible shines light on darkness. The Bible exposes what's going on so you can get out and get help. Amen? If, if you always act like, oh, I have no problems, I have no problems, I have no problems, but life's eating you up, then you're never going to win any problems. You have to identify. You have to identify, first of all, and admit when something's trying to attack you so God can help you to get through it and win it. Amen? And so those are things, that's just minor things I've mentioned so far this morning, just minor things everybody faces, but too many Christians don't win the battles of life. But as we look at the things we're looking at, it'll give you answers. And, you know, the most important thing, most of you are all born-again Christians that read your Bible. And you don't, you, you, know, you don't know something about Jesus. But you've got friends out there you're going to be with this Christmas season. You've got friends you're going to go to Christmas dinners with, Christmas parties with, be around people. At this time of the year, there's a consciousness in the air about Christ. And so as you're talking to people and they ask you, well, how come this? And how come that? Well, you know what you can do as disciples of the Lord? You can open up your Bible to John chapter 10 and tell them, here's why. It says, all you're thinking is that God's the one out there, the only one out there. I want to show you something. Jesus said there's a thief out there too. And you need to get out from under the bodies of the thief. And you need to hook up with Jesus. And Jesus will get you free. And so Romans chapter 3, verse 23, says this. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And so the entire human race is subject to sin. The entire human race. And it all started, as I said, the Garden of Eden, Eden. The human race began with Adam and Eve. And they were spiritually connected to God. They were the very two. How many know that Adam and Eve was the mom and dad of the entire human race? They got it all started. And so as the ones that got it started, when they, when they, when they, when they started their life on earth, they fellowshiped with God in the Garden of Eden. He came down, he walked with them, he talked with them. But then the devil came into the garden. And when he deceived them, when they chose, when they chose to do what God told them not to do and eat the forbidden fruit, then when, when they chose that, they unhooked from God. And so then, when they unhooked from God, you could say it this way, they were born again in reverse. They were already connected with God with his life in them. And then when they chose to go Satan's way, then God's life left them, and they hooked up with Satan. And so that curse, that fallen nature then, came in through their sons, and came in through the earth. And so all the human beings after Adam and Eve, were born dead to God. They were disconnected. That's why the Bible says all have sinned. Because when Adam sinned, we all sinned. And we unhooked from God. But then as we study Romans, if we go through some more things, we'll see then that when Christ died, was raised from the dead, it says we were all raised. We identify with Christ. Christ brought life back. And so all that are in Christ gets what Christ did. Christ overcame sin, overcame Satan, and overcame the temptations of life. Christ overcame them. And so in Christ with new life, we can overcome. We receive that life. So you see that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, we miss out 
on God's plan for our life until we get born again. And so the entire human race through Adam and Eve, and somebody said, well, that's not fair that Adam and Eve should do that. And then all the human race then fell under that. Well, you know what is less fair in my eyes? That Jesus was already in heaven. He came down to earth. That wasn't fair for Jesus. That he came down, took our sins. He died and he went to hell for us. That wasn't fair. But praise God. He was raised from the dead. And so the one thing wasn't fair. That wasn't fair. But that's called grace. God did it for us. And so because of what Jesus did, he reversed the curse. We can receive from what Jesus did. He broke the power of the devil over our lives. Adam brought it in, but God sent his son Jesus and got it off of us. Now I want you to look at chapter 6, verse 23. Chapter 6, verse 23 says this. And we know that 3.23 says that all have sinned. But then it says, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That means the penalty for sin is spiritual death, which is separation from God. Spiritual death, which is separation from God. And I'm going to tell you about the three kinds of death the Bible teaches about. And I think this will help you. Just listen closely. There's three kinds of death the Bible teaches about. This is talking about spiritual death. <clears throat> and spiritual death means you, you don't have eternal life in your spirit because that only comes to receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so spiritual death simply means you're disconnected from God in the spirit. You're not hooked up with God in the spirit. You're unhooked because Adam unhooked us. And then another kind of death the Bible teaches about is physical death. That's the death most everybody thinks of when they hear death. They think physical death. Well, physical death simply means that your body quits breathing. Your heart stops. Your body's laying there dead. But on the inside of your, on the inside of your physical body, there's a human spirit. And when your human spirit has eternal life in it, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Paul said in Philippians, he said that when you depart your body, you're present with the Lord. And so when the body lays down and the body's dead, that's physical death. But when you have eternal life in you by receiving Jesus, then you're alive on the inside. And so that's, that's spiritual life. But then the third kind of death, Revelations talks, the book of Revelations talks about is called the second death. The second death. And the second death means this. It's a person that dies having never received Jesus Christ and they go to the lake, the birds of fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever and ever. The Bible calls that the second death. There's a difference between the second death and spiritual death. Spiritual death means you're still living right now, but you don't have the life of God in you, so spiritually you're dead. The second death means you physically die and never received Christ yet, and then it's all over with forever and ever and ever and ever. So those three kinds of death, spiritual death, physical death, and the second death. And everybody, until they receive Christ, are spiritually dead. But you can do something about that. You receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you get a connection with God. 
And then when people are born again, they get a joy on their face. They get, they get a glistening in their eyes. They get a, they get kind of a springy walk in their step. They're looking forward to the day. They enjoy things in life because when Jesus comes into your heart, He changes you on the inside and you turn from darkness to light. Amen. Amen. And so He says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, uh, just write this note down. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Jesus goes into great detail about born again. But I want to look at what born again is, how you can receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10. And this is what we're talking about, about being born again. And these, and these two verses right here explain what we call sometimes the sinner's prayer. Anybody ever heard that expression, the sinner's prayer? Or we call it the prayer of salvation. How many here have heard about the prayer of salvation? And so that, this is where this comes from right here. <clears throat> it says that if you, if thou, if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe in your heart and you say words out of your mouth and it says then you become saved, salvation. And so when you ask Jesus to forgive you, come into your heart because you believe God raised him from the dead and you wanted him to be Lord of your life, on the inside of your heart you become a brand new person. You receive eternal life. You receive eternal life. A miracle takes place. You're changed on the inside from darkness to light. And write this verse down. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I want to tell you something about my life. I still drink all I want to. But you know what? I just don't want to. <laughs> I still all I want to. I just don't want to. My want to changed because it come new on the inside. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to steal anymore. I don't want to hurt people anymore. I don't want to get even anymore. See? On the inside, your desires change because you get a new nature on the inside. And so the best way, the best way to get the addict delivered is to get new life on the inside. And then stay with them till they start growing. Get them into church. Get them reading the Bible. Because there's a difference between the heart and the mind. When people receive Jesus in their heart, they've still got their head to deal with. And so the Bible will teach you how to live. The Bible will teach you how to say no to sin. The Bible will teach you how to say no to people that try to overpower you to go back to where you used to be. The Bible will teach you that. And so, born again gets the life of God in your heart, but then the Bible gets the knowledge of God in your head. And when your heart and your head are in unison with God, then you begin to have victory in life. Amen. Amen. So I want to say this again. 
He said right here, it will be used for the sinner's prayer. That if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised you from the dead, said you'll be saved. Said you believe with your heart, but you've got to put words out of your mouth. And it's just so simple. All that, all that means is something like this. You know, there's probably a thousand different words, ways you can say it, but it's got to have the heart into it. You say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I know you're a real person, Jesus, and you died for my sins. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. And what Lord means, Lord means master. Lord means the ones that has authority. And so what you're saying is, Jesus, my life is no good. And you know, you might have plenty of money. You might have health. You might have success. But on the inside, you're empty. On the inside, you're thinking, there's got to be more to this. There's got to be something more. I'm just not satisfied. Well, when you pray a prayer like that, and you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. You're saying, Jesus... I want you to take control. Lord, show me who to hang out with. Lord, show me what I'd be watching on TV. Lord, show me how to talk. Show me, Jesus, how to be a friend that can make good friends. Show me, Jesus, what job I could have that doesn't just pay good, but I'm satisfied with it. And I'm happy to go in every day, Lord. That takes care of my family. Jesus, I want you to take control of my life. I don't want to live the other way anymore. And when you pray that kind of prayer and you meet it in your heart, because he said, he said, with your heart, you believe. And with your mouth, you do your confession that Jesus is Lord. So he said, when you pray that kind of prayer, that eternal life comes into your spirit and you're really connected with God. And when you're connected with God, that God can begin to lead and guide your life and show you things. Amen. Amen. So we're looking at some of the whys that Jesus came and what to do about it. But anyway, uh, I, want, I want to look at something now at God's description of the human race without Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. And I think this will answer a lot of questions for some of you about maybe uh, how you used to be or maybe you're still this way. Are people you know that you want to help and you don't really understand how to help them. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 through 18, this describes man without Christ. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that means we live in an earth suit. We live in a physical body. We're a spirit being, but we're living inside of an earth suit. It says, he, Jesus, also Himself likewise took part of the same. That means Jesus came down to earth. He lived in a physical body. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death. And deliver them who through fear of death. And deliver them who through fear of death. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The root of all fear is death. People that are not born again, have the life of Christ in them, don't know what's on the other side. That's why they're afraid to fly on airplanes. 
That's why that's why they're afraid to walk down a dark street. That's why they're afraid sometimes to turn their light off when they go to sleep. Because that fear of death is the root of all fear of everything else. And I learned a long time ago that when you get delivered from the fear of death, you're delivered from fear. Fear is behind every evil thing there is. And so it says that Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death, which made us slaves to life. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. That means to live like a human being. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, let's talk about the human race, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now look at this. For that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to deliver them that are tempted. Jesus knows what it's like to live in this world with all the fears, the temptations, all the things that try to suck the life out of you all around you. It says because he's already been through this and he passed the test, he can deliver you. And so I want to say this. Fear might attack you on the outside, but it's not in your born-again spirit to torment you. As you're a Christian that begins to get revelation of how real spiritual things are, you begin to realize that there's an inside man and an outside man. The outside is your flesh you live in. The inside is the real you. That when your outside man someday falls over and dies... The inward man still lives. There's no fear in your spirit. Your spirit has the Holy Spirit in it. The Holy Spirit gives you joy. Holy Spirit gives you peace. Jesus comes for you to have and enjoy life. You have that in your spirit. The devil comes to steal, kill, destroy. And so on the outside, he hits you with fears. Well... It's 2,000 miles back to Indiana to visit my family, but I can't fly on an airplane. Why can't you fly on an airplane? Because I'm afraid it'll crash. Well, how are you going to get there then? You're going to walk? Well, no, I can't walk. I'm afraid somebody might hit me. Well, are you going to ride in a car? No, I'm afraid I might have a wreck. Now, what are you going to do? You're going to ride in a bus? No, I'm afraid they might crash. You read about all these bus crashes. People, people that don't understand what Jesus Christ has done afraid to do anything, everything. Well, I can't come to that nighttime service at your church. Why not? I'm afraid of the dark. How many times have I heard that one? I'm afraid. I can't come out at night. <laughs> well, you don't know what's, you don't know what's on the streets of Barstow. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Uh, well, they offered me that better job. And I've been praying for a job. But I'm afraid to take that job. Well, why are you afraid to take that job? Well, I'm afraid to take that job. What if I lose that job? What if you lose the job you got? <laughs> you know, well, I, can, I can't come around with those people. People spread, spread germs in the wintertime. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. You know, that is things that hit you from the outside. They hit your head. They hit your emotions. They hear everything about you. Second Timothy 1.7, if you have fear, is a good verse to write down. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, when, when you step out to do something God's put in your heart to do, that's not taking a chance. 
That's called walking by faith. The world says, well, I'm going to take a chance. I might get lucky. Well, you get lucky if the devil's off your case that day, but really he's never off your case. He's all the time trying to do something to bring you down. When God puts in your heart something to do to better your family, to better your life, you're not taking a chance. You're following God. And God said you follow him by faith. Faith means that you believe that God's going to do what he said he would do when God puts things in your heart to do. And so it says that Jesus, you know, just stop thinking about this. If it was taking a chance, although God was in Jesus, Jesus was living in an earthly body, in a physical body. Was Jesus taking a chance when he let them kill him? <laughs> They're going to go down to hell? He said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? His flesh man was crying out. He was crying out. But in his heart, when he came to earth, he already knew what was expected. He knew he was going to come to earth. The Old Testament prophesied about what he was going to do. God said, I'm going to send a redeemer. A redeemer. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 9 really talks about who he was and what he's doing. And so Jesus, by faith, he came to earth. By faith, he let him crucify him. By faith, he went down into hell to pay the penalty for our sin. And God raised him up. And every time that God puts something in your heart to do by faith, if you'll have that confidence, well, I'm not walking blind. No, nope, you're walking by faith. When God shows you the Bible, bring you the tithe into the storehouse. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll rebuke the devourer for you. For my blessing on you. You're not taking a chance. You're walking by faith. And it says right here that Jesus knew what it was like to live down here. It says, therefore, he's able to deliver you. Now, I want to look at the third question as we close. The very last thing. What can you do to receive help from Jesus when you need it? It says, says he's able to deliver you, but how can you get it? Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14 to 16. And we're talking about three questions today. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? How can you receive from him? Well, he's God came to earth. He came to deliver us from sin for the bodies of the devil. And then here's Hebrews chapter 4 tells us how we receive from that. Verse 14 to 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. That means Jesus left the earth. He went to heaven. And he said at the right hand of God now, says, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. That means talking about God, talking about Jesus, how good they are. says, for we have a high priest which can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Our infirmities, it means our inability to get results. There's so much down here that we know we should be getting done. We know we're supposed to be delivered. We know we're supposed to be healed. We know our needs are supposed to be met. We know our prayers are supposed to be answered. It says Jesus can identify with that. It says he was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus was at all points tempted yet as we are let without sin. Let me explain something to you right there that I really think will help Christians. It's not a sin to be tempted 
Because it says Jesus was tempted. Now get a hold of that. Temptation does not come from God. Temptation comes from the devil. It's not, it's not a sin to be tempted to steal. That's the devil trying to throw that temptation your way. Once you cross the line and you actually steal it, then it became sin. It's not a sin to be tempted to lie. But once you cross the line and you open your mouth and begin to tell the lie, then you cross the temptation to sin. It says Jesus was tempted. It always I'm tempted, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted to lie, but he didn't. He said, Satan, get behind me. Jesus was tempted to fornicate, but he didn't. He said no to fornication. How do I know Jesus was tempted to fornicate? Because Christians are tempted to fornicate every day. And the Bible says that Jesus was tempted at all points like Christians are, yet without sin. And so every evil thing that you're tempted to do is not a sin unless you choose to do it. Is that what the Bible says? He was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He passed the temptation test. Amen. Nobody else has ever passed the temptation test perfectly except Jesus. He said, all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Mark this verse down for your notes and look it up later. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Write that down later. If you're going through temptations right now, that verse will really help you. But then it says, and right here in verse 16, it says, Because Jesus was already tempted and didn't fall for it, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's how we receive help from Jesus. It says, we come boldly to the throne of grace that may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And let me tell you about that there. We take the Bible literally. There's a place in heaven called God's throne of grace. Or he said we couldn't come to it. There's a place in heaven where Jesus is sitting called the throne of grace. Jesus passed the test. He was at all points tempted like we are. Whatever you're going through today, if you're tempted to quit on life because you think, what's the use? I might as well just die and go to heaven. I'm a Christian. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't see any way out of this. So I think I might as well just take my own life and go to heaven. I don't know what else to do. Jesus was tempted at all points like as we are. You come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. If I grace to help in time of need. It's Christmas time. Oh, I remember when my mom was here. Or maybe you lost a child. We prayed blessing, mercy, grace to help you right now if you lost a child. No matter what it is, the devil wants to make life so depressing on you. You want to end it all. You want to quit. I don't know what I'm going to do about buying for Christmas. I lost my job. I took a pay cut. We don't have any money. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus was at all points tempted like as you are, yet without sin. He said, let us therefore come boldly. 
Boldly means with confidence. That means, that means getting on your knees. Getting on your knees in a quiet place. Open up your heart. Open up your mouth. And say, Jesus, I'm so grateful you're my Savior. Jesus, I'm so glad to know that you know where I live at right now. That you know what I'm going through right now. Lord, you know that I want to take my own life, but I shouldn't. Lord, you know I want to give up on you and on people because nothing's going right. He says we can come boldly to that throne of grace to obtain mercy. And God wouldn't have said to find grace to help if he wasn't going to give you grace to help in time of need. In this verse right here, I want to point out two things. He said you get mercy and grace. Now get this. Mercy, in this context, means this, not getting what you deserve. On your job, sometimes maybe you've done something wrong in your job, and you knew your boss had grounds to fire you and lose that job. And you cried out for mercy. So I said, okay, you can keep your job. Just don't do that anymore. That's mercy, not giving you what you deserve. And so in our life, sometimes we haven't lived right for God like we should have lived. And sometimes we open the door to where bad things come into our life because of our disobedience. Well, that's what we're coming for mercy for. So we don't get what we deserve. And then grace here means getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. We, as human beings, can earn nothing from God. But Jesus did all that he did so God could give us all that he's got. And so when we are this time of need, I'm closing this with what I'm talking about here. Here's what we're headed to. Jesus came to earth, number one. He was God come to earth. Number two, Jesus came and broke the power of sin over our lives of the devil. And then it didn't stop right there. He came so we could receive mercy and grace to get help in time of need. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.